Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnet, Illinois. This is a sermon for December 1st, 2019, the first Sunday of Advent. The sermon is entitled, Come, Lord Jesus, Come, and is based on the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. It was preached by Pastor Carl Copen. Peace, mercy, and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message today comes from the Gospel reading. Let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. As we prepare to celebrate your coming as a child, strengthen us to be vigilant as we await your coming again in glory. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. It was some time ago the National Geographic showed through color photos and, and drawings, the, the, the swift and the terrible destruction that wiped out the Roman cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum in AD 79. The, the explosion of Mount Vesuvius was so, so sudden that the residents were caught or killed while going about their routine daily tasks. Uh, men and women, they were in the marketplace selling and buying. The, uh, the, the rich were in their luxurious baths. The, the slaves were at work. The soldiers were standing guard. Uh, they all died amid volcanic ash and superheated gases. Even family pets suffered the same quick and final fate. And so it doesn't take a lot of imagination to, to picture the panic uh, of that terrible day. But the saddest part is, is that these people didn't have to die. Uh, scientists confirm what ancient Roman uh, writers record, that there were these weeks of rumblings and quakes that preceded the actual explosion. There was even an ominous plume of smoke that was visible from the mountain days before the eruption. Now, if only they had been able to read and respond to the warning that Mount Vesuvius was, gave to them, People went about doing their thing, shopping, making money, enjoying a holiday, getting a job, all while ignoring the signs that destruction was about to rain down. Well, it was like that in Noah's time, wasn't it? We heard that in the gospel reading. People were ignoring what Noah was saying about God's anger because of the wickedness that had taken over the world. They disregarded Noah's warning about God's judgment through a flood. They took no notice of this huge ship uh, that the old man and his sons were building. And just like the people of Pompeii, they were going about their daily routine. They were making business deals, eating and drinking, reading the whatever daily paper or getting the news for the day, <laughs> washing dishes, going to work, hanging out the laundry, you know, uh, buying things to fill their homes. They had disregarded all those signs, and they were caught and prepared when we're told that the vast body of water beneath the earth burst open. All the floodgates of the sky opened and the rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And like the people of Pompeii who perished under the ash and lava of Mount Vesuvius, the people of Noah's day also perished in the flood because they ignored the signs. But that's not a stretch for us either, is it? I mean, for instance, if you're driving and you notice one of those little red lights uh, glowing on your dashboard, 
may, especially the one with the oil can symbol on it, you'd be a fool to keep driving and ignore that warning. Likewise, as we heard in the gospel reading, we'd be foolish to ignore the warning that a burglar was going to break into your house that night. You take extra measures to protect your property. And since you don't know exactly when they're going to break in, it'd be wise to be on your guard at all times. Now, I'd guess that you've understood what Jesus is talking about in this gospel reading today. Simply, he says, be ready. Watch out. The signs are there. He's coming back. When exactly? We don't know. But we can be assured that he will return. Now, Jesus concludes that reading by saying, so then you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you were not expecting him. You know, it's interesting, we know that the Christians of the early church, perhaps at the time Matthew was writing his gospel, they expected Jesus to return during their lifetime. They expected him to return at any moment to raise the dead, establish his kingdom, but 2,000 years have now gone by, still no sign of Jesus on the horizon. So, For us, a lot of times it follows then if he's taking so long to come back, we can sit back and relax a little bit because he won't appear maybe for another 2,000 years. It's too easy for us to be really casual about Christ's return and fail to take it seriously. In fact, uh, most people think only of Christ's return uh, at the end of the church year, like we've had the last couple of weeks and now these first couple of Sundays in Advent. But the fact that so much time has gone by and that Christ has in return ought to make us even more watchful and prepared for his coming again in glory. Like the people of Pompeii, the signs are clear. To ignore them is foolishness. Paul encouraged his readers saying, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. Again and again throughout the New Testament, we're urged to be ready, to be watchful for Jesus' return. He'll come back and and we need to be ready. His return might be sooner than we expect. And if we're not ready, then his coming will catch us off guard. You know, there's a, it's an old fable about three apprentice devils who were talking with Satan uh, about their plan to destroy all of humanity. And in essence, they're pitching their plans to their boss, right? And so the first one, uh, Apprentice suggests that he would succeed by telling people that there was no God, right? Satan rejected that suggestion because he realized that most people believed in in God or a God or some kind of higher power, and they're not going to be convinced of that, right? The second Apprentice suggested that they could succeed by telling people that that sin and evil are okay, right? But Satan rejected that one too because he knew that most people could not be convinced that there's nothing wrong with sin, at least some sin, right? The third apprentice said, you know, let us destroy all of humanity by telling them that there is no hurry. Satan loved that, that conclusion. The fable, the fable concluded that he loved that suggestion because he knew that people would believe that he embraced that idea that there's no hurry. <laughs> They'd be destroyed by the thousands. A lot of truth in that fable, isn't there? Jesus tells us many people will not be ready for his return. Two men will be working side by side, one ready, the other not. 
Two women will be shopping in the supermarket. One is ready, the other is not. If Christ were to come back today at this very moment, I hate to think of how many would be unprepared and also how many would be condemned and perish because they ignored the signs. A situation not unlike the days of Noah or the city of Pompeii. All of us uh, prepared ourselves to come to uh, this service today, right? I mean, if we didn't, we'd all be here in our pajamas, hair uncombed, and maybe with uh, fuzzy slippers on. Uh, Not a pretty sight, right? We all know how to prepare ourselves for worship, but how do we prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus? New Testament tells us that all of life is a preparation uh, for the coming of Jesus. Getting ready starts with what God does for us, right? He adopts us into his family through the waters of holy baptism, gives us faith, gives us his Holy Spirit. He calls us then to turn away from our sinful ways and our harmful attitudes and behaviors. He he points us to the cross and assures us that we are his adopted and forgiven children. He reaches out to us at his table where he gives us his presence, his body and blood, forgiveness, strength, and salvation. He speaks to us through his word, and he reminds us of his love for us. In spite of everything that God does for us, our sinful nature still influences and controls our lives because we ignore his desires. We only think of Jesus maybe just as a last resort. We want to place ourselves first. We think of God second. We make those bad decisions. Choices we make are not always in line with God. what God wants us to do. We forget who we are, that we are God's children, and and we say and do and think things that we know are opposite to the ways that God wants us to live. And so we find Peter telling us in his second letter, saying, your lives should be holy and dedicated to God as you wait for the day of God. Do your best to be pure and faultless in God's sight and be at peace with him. And in, in Paul's, in his reading today from Romans, said the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Let us put on that armor of light, Paul says. Encourages us to, be, uh, to, uh, to let Jesus be as close to us as the clothes that we wear. Let our spirit-given faith take control of our lives and not give our sin, give in to our sin and our selfish desires. When we are rooted in Christ, when we're growing together in Christ, this life of faith becomes that integral part of our daily lives. You know, living in an awareness that Jesus can return at any moment urges us really to get things right, get our priorities right. You know, we may not have the rest of our life to get things straightened out. We may not have years ahead of us when we think of to make Christ, to make time for Christ in our lives. In this season of Advent, we can consider how unprepared the world was for the coming of Jesus as a baby born in Bethlehem. But as I said before, this Advent season also reminds us that we're unprepared. And that hour of Christ's return might be sooner than we think. Pastor, uh, Pastor once wrote that a Lutheran couple once told him, 
the pastor, we, we really want to come to church, but, but we just don't have the time. Uh, on a weekend, there's shopping to be done, washing and gardening, and when we get a moment, we just want to put our feet up. You see, pastor, we just don't have the time. I wish I could say I've never heard that excuse. But I have. You know, that's fine, but what will happen when time runs out? How prepared will they be for the return of Jesus? The message for us all is to watch out. Watch out. Have another look at the God that you're worshiping. Where do your true loyalties lie? What is the most important thing or person in your life? How much emphasis are you putting on those material things instead of eternal things? Don't be fooled by a quick answer. Satan loves to brush aside important questions with a quick answer. He doesn't want us to be prepared for the coming of Jesus. He wants us to love the things of this life more than anything else. A preacher by the name of Will Williman tells a story of a funeral that he attended. It was in a sermon that he preached, and, and this is what he said. He said, early in my ministry, I served a little church in rural Georgia. One Saturday, we went to a funeral in a little country church, not of my denomination, I grew up in a big downtown church, and I had never been to a funeral like this one. Casco was open. The funeral consisted of the sermon by their preacher. He said the preacher pounded on the pulpit and looked over at the casket and said, It's too late for Joe. He might have wanted to get his life together. He might have wanted to spend more time with his family. He might have wanted to get that done, to do all that, but he can't. He's dead now. It's too late for him, but he said, It's not too late for you. There's still time for you. You're still alive. It's not too late for you. Today is the day. He says, then the preacher told them about how the Greyhound bus had had run into a funeral procession on the way to the cemetery. And he said, that can happen today. He said, today's the day for you to think about these things. It was too late for old Joe, but it's not too late for you. Then Will Williman recounted, he said, I was so angry at the preacher On the way home, I told my wife, I said, have you ever seen anything so manipulative and insensitive to that poor family? He said, I found it disgusting. And she said, you're right. I've never heard anything like that at all. It was manipulative. It was disgusting. It was insensitive. She said, worst of all, it was true. Today's the day. It's not too late. Part of being ready for Christ's return is to get straight what are the important things in this life and what are not. We all have these running battles convincing ourselves that this thing or that event or that person are essential when it's not. We all have to battle these things, including family and sports and hobbies and work and leisure activities that so many times sort of crowd out Jesus from our lives. We battle against these things, these events, these people, that crowd our lives with so much that we don't have time to read his word or pray or join with our fellow Christians in worship. When that happens, it weakens, slowly crushing our relationship with God. That's why I'm glad the uh, the Board of Connections and Outreach uh, uh, gives us this challenge along with our, our devotional booklet as well. You know, Advent is a time of preparation. Certainly the first thing we're thinking about is preparing our hearts and our lives as we get ready to celebrate the coming of Jesus, a baby in a manger, right? 
and to celebrate the joy of his coming in his first advent. But as I said, there's that parallel theme throughout these weeks that we're also preparing our hearts for Jesus' coming again, right? His return again in glory and might on that last day as we prepare to celebrate the joy of his return. Jesus' return, it could be six days, six months, six decades, 600 years, we don't know. But Advent reminds us to regard each day as the last day. To be constantly ready, waiting for his return, waiting as if this day were our last. It reminds us that our whole life ought to be time of, a time of preparing for his return. God is at work in us, giving us faith, forgiveness, hope, urging us to work for the Lord as if this was going to be the last opportunity to carry out his work. For a people of God who are rooted in Christ and growing together in him, that, that gives us then an urgency, doesn't it? To be branching out in Jesus' name, sharing that love, that forgiveness, that, that mercy, that grace. So let us pick up that cry of Advent, that cry that we shout, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and choosing an option at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.